Good morning and welcome to Friday morning, December the 10th in 2021 on When I Rise. Today we come to the end of year C in the third Sunday of Advent. And on the Friday of the week, we'd like to take a look at the gospel passage for this week from the Revised Common Lectionary for this week of the church calendar year. And so we find ourselves back in the Gospel of Luke, back into chapter 3. So we were 1 through 6 last week. Today we'll be in verses 7 through 18. So let me read that passage, provide a couple points for reflection, and then we'll spend our time praying along the theme that we find there. Thanks for making us part of your morning on When Our Eyes. Let's allow our souls to rise and meet God together in a time of prayer. Luke chapter 3, verses 7 through 18. When the crowds came to John for baptism, he said, You brood of snakes, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Prove by the way you live that you have repented of your sins and have turned to God. Don't just say to each other, We're safe, for we are descendants of Abraham. That means nothing, for I tell you, God can create children of Abraham from these very stones. Even now the axe of God's judgment is poised, ready to sever the roots of the trees. Yes, every tree that does not produce good fruit will be chopped down and thrown into the fire. The crowds asked, What should we do? John replied, If you have two shirts, give one to the poor. If you have food, share it with those who are hungry. Even corrupt tax collectors came to be baptized and asked, Teacher, what should we do? He replied, Collect no more taxes than the government requires. What should we do? asked some soldiers. John replied, Don't extort money or make false accusations and be content with your pay. Everyone was expecting the Messiah to come soon, and they were eager to know whether John might be the Messiah. John answered their questions by saying, I baptize you with water, but someone is, someone is coming soon who is greater than I am, so much greater that I'm not even worthy to be his slave and untie the straps of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. He is ready to separate the chaff from the wheat with his winnowing fork. Then he will clean up the threshing area, gathering the wheat into his barn, but burning the chaff with a never-ending fire. John used many such warnings as he announced the good news to the people. This is the word of God for us. Today we're bombarded with so many claims, so many uh, opportunities for people to try to convince us that what they have to offer us, whether it's a product or an experience, that it is monumental for us to have, right? I mean, I just opened up Instagram right before recording, and because it's the Christmas time of year, I mean, there's all of these ads just pouring in trying to help convince me that that is the last Christmas item that I need in order to complete my Christmas list for all my loved ones, right? And so we're bombarded all the time. And so we have to somehow assimilate, like in a triage clinic almost, what messages are worthy to entertain and what ones are um, not worthy and they need to be dismissed readily. And I think that's the same for uh, messages about our lives and what, what, uh, what has the weight to bring the transformation and the convincing that we might need in order to make the necessary and right changes for the for the deep existing life i think that we all seek Um, so how do we how do we assimilate all that because uh, you know with every part of every sales pitch there are promises that are offered to us um, and they just keep adding them to the scale until we are convinced and buy the product 
uh, but they don't really have to follow through with all those promises after they received their payment, right? And so how do we know that we're not going to be taken advantage of? Well, this is what I love about John's ministry. John, uh, there's nothing about his ministry that uh, should have proved that he would have this much of influence um, upon the first century Galilean world, right? Um, he's not dressed in fine clothes. Um, he doesn't have the pedigree. He doesn't have letters of recommendation. He's got all these interesting things surrounding, like swirling around the nature of his birth. Uh, and so he's got, you know, some things going for him, but he's here, he's bellowing out in, from the wilderness. He's baptizing people, plunging them under the water, and people keep coming to him. And what I love about Luke's addition to his story is that Luke get, gets a snapshot of him, of him getting questions lobbed at him, significant questions, not just gotcha questions or whataboutisms, uh, but people sincerely asking what they need to do next in order to be prepared for what God is up to. And you'll notice the wide panorama of people. Uh, first, John, uh, is what Luke provides is like this general, people ask him, what should we do? And then tax collectors, what should we do? And soldiers, what should we do? And so there's like this, this constant, everyone's expecting something and they feel like John has the answer. And so I think what we can see in this text, this is what's coming to the surface for me this morning, is there are certain criteria that I'm looking for whenever somebody offers me to, to declare that what they have to offer is something that should be central to my life. I think a couple things that we can learn from John is this. Will whatever is offered to us, this message, this appeal, will it truly transform our lives? Or will it just give us like the goosebump experience? Will it give us a moment of relief? Or will it be something that uh, really transforms who we are and remakes all of who we are in order to be the type of people that we know we should be? Okay, so that's one thing. So people are being transformed. There is this wild um, enthusiasm for John's preaching, but he is talking about transformation. He's talking about repentance. He is telling people that their deeds are going to somehow prove whether they have embraced the true way of God or not. So I think number one is transformation. And for me, number two is this wide variety of people. A message that only appeals to a small group of people, I think in my mind has to be held to a great suspect. But can someone uh, speak something that is both exclusive and that it's, uh, you know, that it steers towards Jesus and Jesus alone? But can it appeal to a wide audience of people touching upon the needs of not just one certain subgroup of people, but a wide diversity of people? So can it be narrow and wide at the same time? Uh, a theologian said this about Jesus, reflecting how Jesus said he's the way and the truth and the life. This theologian said Je Jesus is as exclusive as himself, but he is wide as the world. And we see that in the Christian church, right? Where uh, many different people from all different walks of life, rich, poor, primitive, advanced communities, people are embracing Christ. You'll notice, that, and I notice that as we look at the Christian story, that the epicenter of the movement bounces all over the world. It's not situated just in one geographic location like other religions out there. But this is the message for the people. Uh, as um, Peter would say in the early days of the church's preaching, this is a message for everyone. And I think those two criteria convinced me again this morning that Jesus is worthy to be embraced for he can transform us and he can transform not just people uniquely like us, but also people who are completely different than us. And so I think today how I want to pray is what I want to offer up is let's embrace Jesus once again. Let's revel in the beauty 
of this gospel that we have heard, a gospel that transforms, and a gospel that includes all people. So with that in mind, let's spend some time praying together this morning. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, I just marvel about who you are. Uh, you're the infinite God. You hold all things together by your words. And you have a dream about this world you created. And um, instead of uh, dismissing it and tossing it into the waste bin after it wandered away from you, you've embraced it once more. You sent your son into the heart of its problems and issues uh, where Jesus died in a mystery for our sins and allows us to be free again. And so I marvel at that great story. And I marvel at what it does in me. And I marvel at what I see it doing in the world around me. And so once again, God, I declare, and I believe my friends who are t- tuning in this morning agree, we we just embrace who Jesus is once again. We declare him as our Lord, and we seek to want to follow him. And so as we begin our day today, we bend our knee to you. We open our hearts and minds to you. And we ask God that you'd speak to us that you would allow us to be empowered for your work in the world around us. We recognize that we've got family and friends and co-workers and peers and, and workplaces and schools and neighborhoods and different communities where we find ourselves uh, that need to hear uh, of this great message. And they need to, to know and experience what we've experienced of your deep love and your ability to change us and the ability to scoop in as many different types of people as we can imagine. And so God, I just pray today that you would do something marvelous before us so that we can worship you and be filled with wonder and watch you do your great redemptive work in the world around us. So God, we love you. Help us to follow you today. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.